How's that stop Trump movement coming along? Do you think? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear God in heaven, help us. From Pacifica Radio's KPFK in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast, as heard on 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, and up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, and 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. Out in Pennsylvania. Did something happen there last night? 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster. Out in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. Up in Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM. In Minneapolis, St. Paul, AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And coast to coast and around the globe on the Progressive Voices Channel, streaming on Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, and yes, five days a week on Radio Sputnik, blanketing the earth. This is the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, as I say, uh, live today from the beautiful KPFK studios in somewhere in Los Angeles. Coming up, uh, recapping the reported results of Tuesday night's big primary elections in five different northeastern states and some concerns about them, as usual, along with the political fallout from them and much more, including Desi Doyen on this, the uh, the 30-year anniversary after Chernobyl, or Chernobyl uh, which we will have in our Green News report a little bit later on today. How are you doing, Desi Doyen? You good? I'm doing all right. All right. Uh, and I should say it's just one of those days when we have to turn to you, Desi, and the Green News report for the good news, not the Chernobyl news, of course, but uh, you've got a, a number of encouraging items in today's report. So I'm, I'm not going to give any of that away, but I will say that it is worth staying tuned for. Would you agree? I would totally agree. Of course Thank you, you for would. So. Of course you would. But uh, particularly if, you, if you're looking for something to be encouraged about after the stuff we will be covering today here, Green News Report just may be your ticket. So uh, stand by for that in a little bit. Also, if we are lucky, your calls... Try to get to the uh, phone lines today, 818-985-5735, if you want to queue up, as they say in Great Britain, 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK on yesterday's elections, where the candidates can or will or should go from here, or anything else that's on your mind today. We will try to get to that. Uh, but first, some breaking news that I don't want to let get away because I've been uh, trying to cover this for the past couple of weeks here in more detail. And there's been so much going on with the presidential race and everything else that I just want to uh, I want to make sure that this gets a, a, at least a moment of attention. 
Former House Speaker Dennis Hastert was sentenced uh, on Wednesday to 15 months in prison in his hush money case by a judge who called him a serial child molester and ordered him to enroll in a sex offender treatment program. This is former House Speaker Dennis Hastert, the uh, the longest serving Republican House Speaker in U.S. history, sentenced to 15 months today uh, in uh, relation to being a, quote, serial child molester, according to the judge. Hastert, 74, was accused of abusing four boys between the ages of 14 and 17 when he was coach at Yorkville High School in Illinois decades ago. One of them broke a lifelong silence in order to testify about his private torment at, uh, at the sentencing hearing. The one-time Republican power broker was not charged with any sexual crimes because of the statute of limitations on them, but he pleaded guilty to making illegal cash withdrawals, withdrawals to pay off one of those accusers. Hastert arrived in a wheelchair following a recent stroke uh, at the courtroom. Uh, he had no discernible reaction. According to AP, as uh, U.S. District uh, Judge Thomas Durkin, after a blistering outline of the allegations, handed down the sentence, which also includes a $250,000 fine and two years of supervised release after his 15 months in prison. This all took place in a Chicago courtroom today. The judge said nothing is worse than using serial child uh, worse than using serial child molester and speaker of the house in the same sentence said the judge he went beyond uh, he used his discretion to go well beyond the 6 months prison term that prosecutors had asked for he said i hope i never see a case like this again hastert apologized before learning his fate uh, quote, to the boys I mistreated when I was their coach. He pointedly did not use the word abuse. He said, what I did was wrong and I regret it. They looked up to me and I took advantage of them. Uh, one of the, uh, the victims here, who is now a father of two, told the judge that uh, I've always felt what Coach Hastert had done to me was my darkest secret. He added that he was not sure until he took the stand that he could actually bring himself to talk about the incident. Uh, and then uh, the story uh, goes into more detail about what uh, what happened. I will spare you that. Uh, but Haster, uh, who, who suffered a stroke just several months ago, has cited health problems as a reason that he should be sentenced to only probation. And um, when the prosecutors had recommended six months, he now got 15 instead. He pleaded guilty, Haster did, to illegally structuring bank transactions between 2010 and 2014 to avoid having them uh, reported to regulators. Prosecutors say he was using the money to pay off a man known only as Individual A, uh, who, who is still known only as that, who says that Hastert molested him on, uh, on a wrestling camp trip. Individual A did not testify at the hearing and has sued Hastert this week to collect the remainder of the three and a half million dollars. He said he was promised by Hastert after he confronted his old coach and asked to be paid for his pain and suffering. And just to uh, put this into some quick context, remember, when Dennis Hastert was elected uh, by House Republicans to be Speaker of the House, 
This was in the wake of uh, Newt Gingrich having stepped down as Speaker of the House amid the uh, investigation into the sexual improprieties by Bill Clinton at the time. Turned out that Newt Gingrich himself was having an affair with a staffer of his at the same time. And then uh, Bob Livingston was, uh, was selected to be the next Speaker to replace Gingrich. But then he had to admit that he, too, was having affairs. So he stepped down. He stepped down on the same day that the same Republicans then ended up voting to impeach Bill Clinton. Hastert was selected at the time as the safe choice, the guy that everyone thought was Mr. Clean Marine. Uh, he was, uh, you know, the safe choice to oversee the impeachment and the ultimately unsuccessful takedown of the Bill Clinton presidency. So is there anything is there anything at all to be proud of uh, from that legacy of those eight years of George W. Bush? Anything? Because I can't think of I, I, I can think of nothing. Other than they expanded daylight savings time. That's the thing I recognize every year because I really like daylight savings time. I like uh, more sun uh, going into the night. That's the only thing that I can think of that the Republicans did in those entire eight years of the George W. Bush presidency that this country can be proud of in any way, shape or form. You might add to it that the extension of the Voting Rights Act for 25 years that George W. Bush did sign, but that was uh, cut short because uh, George W. Bush's Supreme Court appointees then killed the Voting Rights Act, gutted the most essential part. So um, that whole entire thing was little more than eight years of shame and embarrassment for this nation, as far as I'm concerned. All right. Just wanted to make sure we covered that because that story is, is getting lost and it shouldn't. That's your Republican Party. Speaking of shame and embarrassment for the country, Ted Cruz. Yes, late today, uh, the also ran Republican presidential candidate and uh, and senator from the great state of Texas, Ted Cruz, announced his choice for vice presidential running mate. Yes, uh, uh, there seems little chance that uh, Ted Cruz at this point will be able to get anywhere near the nomination. And yet he was uh, announcing his choice for vice president today, which is Carly Fiorina. Yes, that's right. The failed California businesswoman and failed 2016 presidential candidate who was rejected time and time again by even Republican voters. The woman who is nearly as unpopular as Ted Cruz is, he has named uh, her to be his uh, vice presidential running mate. Well, this will change everything, won't it? Brother Trump, uh, Donald Trump responded uh, to this announcement today by tweeting a video of Carly Fiorina in January saying that, quote, Ted Cruz, this was Fiorina talking, saying uh, on CNN that uh, uh, Ted Cruz is just like any other politician. He says whatever he needs to get elected. That was Carly Fiorina. That's the woman that he has now selected as his his vice presidential running mate. So uh, anyway, a statement from the DNC on this uh, bizarre announcement uh, saying, uh, quote, this is a desperate move from a desperate and dying campaign. And it's fitting that a man best known for shutting down the U.S. government would select a woman best known for almost shutting down a great U.S. company. Under Carly Fiorina, Hewlett Packard's stock lost over half its value when she was CEO. 
She earned the status as one of the uh, worst American CEOs of all time. She laid off 30,000 workers, but still received a $40 million golden parachute upon being fired. The DNC went on to say, in a dangerous and complex world, the only foreign policy experience Carly Fiorina can speak of is outsourcing American jobs to other countries and selling computer equipment to Iran in violation of international sanctions. Well, of course, that is uh, that's the DNC. You might expect them expect that from them. But I can tell you because I was actually I had done some work for HP as an independent contractor some years ago. Uh, right after Carly Fiorina had uh, had uh, essentially been tossed out of the company, co- tossed out of Hewlett Packard. And I can tell you, those people, those people who worked at HP, they hated her. They se- they were celebrating. It was right after she had left. They had they were celebrating that Carly Fiorina uh, was gone, had been booted. As if all of this news and if uh, this entire race has not been bizarre enough. This entire presidential campaign. Uh, here's what happened uh, suddenly today uh, as uh, Ted Cruz and Carly Fiorina were together making this uh, making this big announcement. Carly Fiorina stepped forward to say a few words. And and this happened. We've been traveling around the country and I've come to know Ted and Heidi and Caroline and Catherine. I know two girls that I just adore. I'm so happy I can see them more. Cause we travel on the bus all day. We get to play. We get to play. Okay, so that's not weird at all. That's what happened at uh, at this announcement that Carly Fiorina was going to be Imaginary uh, presidential nominee Ted Cruz's imaginary vice presidential running mate. Yes, it's kind of crazy. All right, let's talk about the results of uh, of yesterday's uh, primary elections in five different Northeast uh, states. We'll do the uh, we'll do the Republicans here first. Um, Maryland, uh, Donald Trump. In short, Donald Trump swept. Everything swept five states by enormous numbers. And uh, by the way, he didn't beat Ted Cruz by enormous numbers. Uh, Ted Cruz came in third. So, yeah, he beat him by enormous numbers. But it was John Kasich who actually came in second in what do we got here? Uh, I I think uh, four out of. Yeah. uh, In four out of the five states. So in Maryland, Trump uh, over Kasich by more than 31 points in Connecticut, Trump over Kasich by 39 points in Pennsylvania. uh, Cruz actually uh, squeezed out a second place win. Trump over Cruz by 35 points. In Delaware, it was Trump over Cruz by 31 points. It was in Rhode Island, Trump over, I'm sorry, Trump over Kasich in Delaware by 31 points. And in Rhode Island, Trump over Kasich by 40 points. Uh, Yeah, as we have been telling you, probably first, right here on the broadcast from day one, when I said I see when people were joking about Donald Trump, thinking it was a, a, never going to happen. And I said, yeah, you know what? I don't see anything out there that stops Donald Trump from getting the nomination for the Republican Party. And guess what? I still don't. Um, 
Just amazing. Uh, The delegate wins yesterday for the Republicans. Donald Trump picked up 105 delegates in his march towards uh, 1237. He's he's almost there. He's just about 250 away. So Donald Trump gets 150 delegates. John Kasich picked up five. And Ted Cruz, out of all of those delegates in five states, Ted Cruz, the man who was going to save the Republican Party from Donald Trump, Ted Cruz yesterday, he won a single delegate. One. He won just one. And then, of course, today he announced his his selection for vice president of the United States. Donald Trump spoke once again uh, after a primary night victory uh, from very controlled environs. This time, uh, once again, he was at the lobby of the Trump Tower in Manhattan. You would hate for, uh, you know, democracy or protest to break out at such an event. So uh, he keeps it very, uh, you know, very, very careful in these uh, post-election victory speeches these days, since he knows all of the cameras will be on him. Uh, He had uh, Chris Christie who I might suggest is the presumptive uh, vice presidential nominee at this point. Just saying, just tossing that out there, uh, because I can't see any other career for Chris Christie at this point. Uh, And uh, and he also had one of the Duck Dynasty guys uh, standing by his side, Donald Trump did. Uh, He announced that he now considers himself to be the presumptive nominee, uh, before later going on to add... Now I'm winning it. It's over. As far as I'm concerned, it's over. These two guys cannot win. There's no path. So why would I change? Yeah, why would he change? So, uh, and you know what? He's right. He he has uh, come this far. He's most likely going to be the the nominee at this point. And I think he's not wrong when he says he's the presumptive nominee. Donald Trump also previewed the way that he is likely to attack Hillary Clinton for the next six months of uh, of the general campaign. Should she become the nominee for the Democratic Party? Here's uh, just a taste of what you're probably going to hear for the next six months. Hillary's, I call her crooked Hillary. She's crooked. She'll be a horrible president. Hillary will be horrible, absolutely horrible on economic development. She will be terrible on jobs. She knows nothing about jobs except for jobs for herself. And when it came to answering the phone... When it came to answering the phone at 3 o'clock in the morning, she was sleeping, okay? She wasn't with Benghazi and all of the other problems. You look at what she did with Syria. You look at what she's done in so many different ways. She will not be a good president. She doesn't have the strength. She doesn't have the stamina. She will not be good with the military. She will not be good with protecting our country. And she's had her shot. And she also raised her hand when it came to Iraq. And she shouldn't have voted. And if you remember, just take a look at the things that Bernie Sanders was saying about Hillary Clinton. She said she's not qualified. He said she is not qualified to be president. But he said something else that was because qualified. What's qualified? I mean, you got to go out, you got to run, and you see what happens. But he said some things about her that were so incredible, incredible, and so incredibly bad. There's a great level of hatred right there, but he's been telling the truth. And I really mean it. I think Bernie Sanders should run as an independent. I think he'd do great. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yes, of course, Donald Trump would love to see Bernie Sanders run as an independent. Take away votes from Hillary Clinton and uh, waltz into the White House in the bargain. Uh, In any case, that was Donald Trump after his big victory, huge victory, landslide victory in five separate uh, uh, states on Tuesday night. Uh, and and a preview of what is most likely to come. Will it work? Setting aside 
how much is true and how much is not. I won't bother uh, debunking his uh, his commentary for the moment, but you might have some thoughts. Will that work? Uh, will that will he be a threat to Hillary or will he become just continue to be uh, a laughingstock? 818-985-5735 is our phone number. If you'd like to ring in on that, 818-985-5735. OK, moving over to the Democratic side. Uh, it was a huge night for Hillary Clinton, not quite as big as it was for uh, for Donald Trump. Uh, but darn near, she won four out of five of the states yesterday, reportedly. And I should say, in all of these states, all of these results that I'm reporting as ever, uh, these are the reported results. They are not confirmed. They are not actually overseen by the citizenry uh, in, in almost all cases, uh, certainly not by the night after the election. Uh, but in most cases, Almost never. In any event, we've got uh, very quickly running through these uh, these five states in Maryland. It was Clinton over Sanders by a huge number. This was uh, her biggest her biggest state of the night. Essentially, Clinton, 30 points over uh, over Bernie Sanders in Connecticut. It was Clinton, five points over Bernie Sanders in Rhode Island. Sanders won. He took that state. Uh, that was his only state of the night. He took it 12 points over Hillary Clinton. Uh, but it was just a two-delegate pickup overall for him in, uh, in Rhode Island, in any event. Uh, in Delaware, it was Clinton over Sanders reportedly by 20 points. I say reportedly. I'll explain that in, uh, in a little bit. In Pennsylvania, where the results are 100 percent unverifiable, uh, at least those that are cast, the majority of those votes in Pennsylvania cast on 100 percent unverifiable touchscreens. Hillary Clinton uh, took the biggest prize of the night uh, in Pennsylvania uh, with uh, 12 points over Bernie Sanders. She picked up uh, overall 27 delegates in, in Pennsylvania alone as compared to uh, Sanders' total. Uh, again, these are, are apportioned proportionally for those two candidates. Overall, of the 384 pledged, pledged, I'm only talking about pledged delegates. I don't give a damn about these super delegates, these party insiders. Uh, of the pledged delegates available on Tuesday night, Clinton won 216 of them. Sanders won 160 of them. That is a total pickup for uh, uh, for Clinton over Sanders of 56 delegates. Now, some of those numbers are a little bit different depending on what source you look at. Um, I, I'm working from several different sources here, going with what I think are the best at the moment. Those change, however, as results are certified and there's additional processes in various states to determine the delegate counts. Uh, but that's where we are. Um, he, he, uh, she picked up about 56 delegates over Sanders. Clinton now leads Bernie Sanders in the pledged delegate count uh, by some uh, 291 delegates. It is going to be very, very difficult, most likely impossible unless something terrible happens uh, or good, I guess, the, depending on how you might look at it, uh, to Hillary Clinton in this case, uh, but uh, for, for Bernie Sanders to, uh, to be able to overtake her. Hillary Clinton, uh, she gave her victory speech in Philadelphia. She reached out to supporters of Bernie Sanders uh, during that speech, and uh, she said that all Democrats need to come together now uh, sharing their common beliefs. And I applaud 
applaud Senator Sanders and his millions of supporters for challenging us to get unaccountable money out of our politics and giving greater emphasis to closing the gap of inequality. And I know together we will get that done. Mm, not now, but maybe whether later. you support yeah. Senator Sanders or you support me, there's much more that unites us than divides us. We all agree that wages are too low and inequality is too high, that Wall Street can never again be allowed to threaten Main Street, and we should expand Social Security, not cut or privatize it. We Democrats agree that college should be affordable to all, and student debt shouldn't hold anyone back. We Democrats agree that every single American should and must have quality, affordable health care. We agree that our next president must keep our country safe, keep our troops out of another costly ground war in the Middle East. And we Democrats agree that climate change is an urgent threat. And it requires an aggressive response that can make America the clean energy superpower of the 21st century. We Democrats agree on defending all of our rights, civil rights and voting rights, workers' rights and women's rights, LGBT rights and rights for people with disabilities. So, so that was uh, Hillary Clinton at, the, uh, at her victory uh, speech last night after winning four out of five primary states. Uh, reaching out to Bernie Sanders, reaching out to uh, Democrats, beginning to try to pull the party back together. Will it work? I don't know. 818-985-5735. If you have an opinion on that, uh, of course, what jumped out at me, one of the things that jumped out at me there is that uh, thanking Bernie Sanders, who challenged, quote, challenged us to get unaccountable money out of politics says Hillary Clinton as she continues to accept millions of unaccountable dollars for her campaign. For his part, the uh, Sanders campaign issued a statement saying that they believe everyone in the country should have an opportunity to vote, promising to stay in the race until the convention in Philadelphia when they uh, when they hope at least uh, to uh, when the Sanders campaign hopes hopes to affect the Democratic Party's platform on a host of issues. Here's that statement in full from Bernie Sanders on Tuesday night. He said, uh, I congratulate Senator Clinton on her victories tonight, and I look forward to issue oriented campaigns in the 14 contests to come. I am proud that we are able to win a uh, resounding victory tonight in Rhode Island, the one state with an open primary where independents had a say in the outcome. In fact, all of the other uh, primaries on Tuesday night were, were closed to independents. Democrats, he says, should recognize that the ticket with the best chance of winning this November must attract support from independents as well as Democrats. I am proud of my campaign's record in that regard. He went on to say the people 
in every state in this country should have the right to determine who they want as president and what the agenda of the Democratic Party should be. That's why we are in this race until the last vote is cast. That is why this campaign is going to the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia with as many delegates as possible to fight for a progressive party platform. That calls for a $15 an hour minimum wage, an end to our disastrous trade policies, a Medicare for all health care system, breaking up Wall Street financial institutions, ending fracking in our country, making public colleges and universities tuition free and passing a carbon tax so we can effectively address the planetary crisis of climate change. That was Bernie Sanders. Uh, suggesting he's staying in, but he is uh, probably not counting on actually winning the nomination, although he thinks he uh, he can affect the direction of the Democratic Party. Do you agree? 818-985-5735 is our phone number. At the same time, by the way, he was doing that. Uh, he also confirmed today that uh, the campaign is now planning to lay off, quote, hundreds of campaign staffers across the country and to focus much of their remaining effort on winning California. Uh, he said uh, that uh, if we win this, uh, every one of the great people that uh, who have helped this far, they will get rehired. But right now we have to use all of the resources we have and focus them on the remaining 14 states. He said California will have the most staff at this point. Quote, symbolically and in terms of delegates, if we can win the largest state in this country, that will send a real message to the American people and to the delegates that this is a campaign that is moving in the direction that it should is that is moving in the direction it should. Yes, it all ends up out here in California in uh, just over or under. I can't remember uh, two months now. Uh, under, yeah, a, a June 7th out here in California. There are uh, about 13 other states that will be holding primaries and caucuses between now and then. We will continue to cover them. And as for problems and concerns about what happened yesterday, I will get to that and your phone calls after we take a quick break. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round, like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to help keep us going. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. And thanks. to the Bradcast, Brad Friedman of bradblog.com with you here. We'll get to your calls momentarily if you want to shout and let it all out at 818-985-5735. Happily, I'm happy to say, uh, 866-OUR-VOTE, the Coalition of Voting Rights folks who who take uh, uh, problem reports, uh, try to help people out on Election Day, uh, they, uh, though they receive more than 550 calls, 
uh, as voters went to the polls on Tuesday in Pennsylvania, Maryland, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Delaware. Uh, as the day ended, uh, they they actually it seemed a, a lot of those calls were problem were questions. They were not uh, failed uh, uh, voting machines or people lining up around the block for hours and hours like we've seen in many states. It was so far a relatively quiet uh, election day on Tuesday. Happily, as far as I'm concerned, although I will note, as I have many times. That, in fact, uh, we don't find out about the real problems and concerns about elections until days and weeks and sometimes months and years afterwards. We've been covering some of those stories and some of those concerns. Uh, yesterday on the broadcast, we talked about the effort in New York at this time. I would say the appropriate effort uh, to see a hand count, at least a partial hand count done in New York of the New York primary. You can uh, go to change.org and sign that petition asking for that hand count so that the citizenry can actually oversee the way their elections are uh, tabulated, at least in part. Um, you can stop by bradblog.com. I've got a link to that petition there if you forget. In the meantime, a couple of points, things that went uh, somewhat viral, largely among the Bernie Sanders uh, crowds who are crowd who is uh, quite worried about what they describe as shenanigans by the Hillary Clinton campaign. Um in Philadelphia, there was a video of one man, uh, one voter attempting repeatedly to try and vote on a uh, push-button touchscreen-style uh, uh, voting machine for Bernie Sanders. That went viral. Uh, the man posted it, described it as voter suppression because he kept pushing that button, pushing that button. Nothing happened. As it turns out, for some reason, the machine was turned off. It just wasn't on. So while he was unable to vote for Bernie Sanders on that machine at that, t- that time until the machine was reset... Uh, that same machine would not have pre- would have prevented any voter uh, from voting for any candidate. Uh, not sure if I can call that suppression, although those machines are just terrible. They are crap. I'll talk a little bit more about them in a second. Um, there was a uh, uh, disappearing Bernie votes. I put that in quotes right now for the moment. Disappearing Bernie, Bernie votes in Sussex County, Delaware. A set of screenshots that's been was widely circulated late last night appeared to show, in short, uh, showed Bernie Sanders with a little bit more than 6,000 votes with just 16 percent reporting in Sussex County, Delaware. And then a little bit more than 2,000 votes when there was almost 40 percent reporting. Uh, so what happened? To, that's a loss of some 4,000 votes uh, throughout the night. What happened there? Well, we don't yet know. Uh, I have uh, put in an inquiry to the uh, Delaware State Election Commissioner, uh, as well as the Sussex County Election Director and Sussex County Election uh, Deputy Director uh, late last night. I have uh, yet to hear back with an explanation. I have seen something like this before, these uh, particular uh, screenshots. Uh, I suspect the names were actually transposed and it was caught, discovered, and uh, they, they switched Bernie for uh, Hillary in the reporting application. We'll find out, I hope, if they respond to me. Delaware uh, still uses 100 percent unverifiable push button style uh, direct recording electronic or DRE, usually touchscreen, but they're push button up there in Delaware. Um they use those 100 percent unverifiable machines across the entire state. They use it's a particularly old style of DRE that they use made by a company called Danaher, Danaher Controls. They don't even I don't even I think they're out of business. I don't think they make this machine anymore. It's called the Shooptronic 1242. 
Delaware is quite proud of their unverifiable DRE uh, voting system that they force voters to use on Election Day, at least according to the Delaware State Election Commissioner's website. They crow that uh, Delaware was the first state to use direct recording electronic voting machines. State's motto, of course, is the first state because they were the first to ratify the U.S. Constitution, uh, which, by the way, they might have done with a Danaher uh, Shoptronic voting machine, for all I know. That's how old these voting systems are. Uh, They were first used in Delaware in 1996, and some places in Pennsylvania started using them in 1984. They've got no paper trail. They're incredibly sensitive. They have all kinds of security issues. Uh, So I will look forward to hearing from the state of Delaware on that. Um, uh, uh, Perhaps an encouraging story is out of Maryland, the state of Maryland, which survived, apparently, their move to paper ballots. Yes, they have been using touchscreen DREs. Uh, de- made by Diebold since 2002. They, along with Georgia, were the first state to uh, to use those Diebold machines across the entire state. Uh, the state legislature moved to get rid of those godforsaken, unaccountable machines back in 2007, but that was stalled by a Republican. Actually, I can't remember if it was Republicans and Democrats alike in the state uh, stalled the move to paper until uh, just just Tuesday. And what do you know? The results came in in a timely manner. There were zero reports of votes flipping from one candidate to another in Maryland for the first time in more years than I can remember. So the good guys finally won something, at least in Maryland. Um, Maryland's uh, results, by the way, were delayed for an hour uh, because a judge ruled that uh, four Baltimore precincts needed to stay open an extra hour after they were challenged. Uh, they, they opened uh, about a half hour late in the morning, and it was a, a lawsuit that was filed by Congresswoman Donna Edwards, who was running in the Democratic U.S. Senate primary to replace uh, retiring Senator Barbara Mikulski in Maryland. She ended up losing her race. Um, the uh, progressive African-American, uh, who is uh, very progressive, uh, was running against Congresswoman, uh, Congressman Chris Van Holland. He ended up winning that uh, nomination uh, reportedly for uh, for the Democratic uh, for the U.S. Senate uh, for the Democrats in Maryland. All right. Uh, good for them, however, good for Maryland for delaying the reporting of the results. They would not report the results at all across the entire state until all of the polls closed. Good for them for doing so. Uh, okay, let's get to some of your calls, uh, questions, concerns, 818-985-5735. Uh, who do we have? We've got uh Don in, uh, let me go to Don in Santa Monica. Hey, Don, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you. Uh, Bernie should stay in all the way, keep making his statements about what should happen. And if Hillary wants to unite the party in the end, if he doesn't get the nomination, she should make him vice president. And that way he can still keep close to the source and uh, perhaps make the rest of our dreams come true. <laughs> okay, Don, th- would you vote for uh, Hillary if, if she did decide to uh, name Ber- Bernie uh, as her I, vice president? I believe, I believe it's called only under duress. And, uh, <laughs> uh, pres- uh, okay. President Trump is definitely duress. In fact, I've seen him walking around in a dress, but that's another story. So thank you. Oh, by the way, will you vote for Hillary if she doesn't name uh, Bernie Sanders as her uh, vice president? Uh, yeah, I would still. Okay. It, it would not be my first choice. Uh, and, uh, okay. 
Well, who who would be your first choice? Uh, me. What's that? Then they'd have at least someone who was sane. Who? Uh, I don't know, Elizabeth Warren. Oh, okay. Two women, and that might be a problem. So I don't know. I like her as well. Okay, wouldn't be a problem for me. Thanks, Don. I appreciate no, that. I, would, I wouldn't be a problem for the country, truthfully. Right. Okay, it, thank you. Thank you, uh, Don. I appreciate the call. 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to, uh, here we go, let me go to Justin in Riverside. Hey, Justin, welcome to the broadcast. What's on your mind? Hey, Brad, thank you very much. Love your show. Um, thank anyways, you, I just wanted to regard people's burning or bust attitude because uh, I kind of feel it uh, myself. Um, anyways, uh, is basically Hillary is the establishment candidate for the Democratic Party, just as how Ted Cruz and John Kasich are the, there are the establishment candidates um, for the Republicans. Anyways, my point is, is uh, I was listening to Tom Hartman just earlier. He was talking about a, a po- or a, uh, an article on Huffington Post mm-hmm. about how we need to form a uh, we need to form like a Tea Party within the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. And then I was listening to another show yesterday yeah. where they are saying vote green, people that feel burning or bust, because then it will break up the the two party system we have going on right now. Anyways, your thoughts. Well, that's sort of two different options. One is uh, is vote green and uh, you completely leave the Democratic Party. And, uh, you know, the Green Party is not even on uh, the ballot, unfortunately, in in a number of states. I wish that they were. I wish they were. And I wish that uh, their nominee was uh, was invited to the presidential debates. So that's one strategy. And um, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't think it will work Uh as well as the other idea, the the Mm. Tea Party, if you will, in the in the uh, the Democratic Party, I have long said yes. Uh, hold these guys accountable, and if they don't, uh, you know, do what you want, then uh, then primary them. There's nothing wrong with that. Put up actual progressives against these corporatist Democrats. I I think that's a a, a swell idea, and I think that's much better than. Uh, not necessarily voting for Greens. Feel free to vote for Greens. But rather than uh, turning away, turning your back away from the party, I think uh, I'd love to see it fixed. What do you think? Right, absolutely. That, yeah. That's pretty much the, the, the point that I want to get at is breaking up this, uh, <clears throat> this corporatist um, influence that mm-hmm. we have over our, dele- over our election system because that's uh, pretty much what Bernie's campaign has brought to light for the, out yep. the whole nation is how rigged our system is. Yep, and it um, it makes people believe that their vote doesn't matter, but that's not true because if if our votes did not matter, these guys wouldn't be spending millions of dollars on each campaign. Well, you're damn right. And- yep, you're absolutely right. Our our votes uh, do matter, and we have to fight. Of course, we have to fight to make sure that they get counted, that they get counted accurately. Sadly, we've got to uh, fight to make sure that we can vote at all. But, you know, I hear too many people saying, uh, oh, well, my candidate lost, therefore my vote didn't count. That's not true. That's not how democracy works. You don't get to win every time, uh, you know, you vote in an election. Um, So I think it does matter. And I think the fight needs to continue. Uh, I completely agree. I just basically it's like kind of my bottom line between the mm -hmm. difference between Hillary and Bernie. Um, Tom Hartman was just playing some clips of her speaking after her last win from all these uh, recent primaries mm-hmm. and um, how she's basically trying to reach out to all the Bernie supporters and trying to um, encourage people to kind of, you know, look at her in a different light. But the bottom line is, is 
Bernie was never on the corporate board of directors for Walmart, and Hillary was for six years. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate the call, my friend. Thank you so much, Brad. appreciate it. You bet. All right, let me go uh, very quickly. And, Des, stand by. You're up almost for uh, the Green News Report. Uh, let me go to Bob in L.A. Hey, Bob, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad. Love your show. Thank you, sir. Let me tell you, I'm a friend of Bernie's. I was a supporter of Bernie's. An FOB? I was in the Congress for, I was in the Congress for 20 years, and... Bernie had was a little irritating with me because I was always to his left. So that's where I'm coming from. You were in the you were in the U.S. Congress for 20 years. Yes, sir. Okay. And was seen as one of the most progressive uh, members. So, but I have a, a different take than what you've been doing and your callers. Yeah. Uh, I think Bernie has already won. You know, oh. he's he's incredible. He's raised incredible amount of money, millions of followers. He's moved Hillary and the whole political discussion to the left. Uh-huh. It's time to declare victory. And understand that the political revolution will take time. Because if he defines victory as winning the nomination, then all of the followers become cynical. They've lost. They drop out. They get upset. I've seen it happen, you know, whether it's Ralph Nader or, or, or George McGovern or anybody. If you define at this stage in the revolution victory as the, as the largest number of delegates, everybody is turned off. What I would do to, if I were Bernie right now, Mm-hmm. I'd call up Hillary, go to Hillary, and say, look, I got tens of millions of dollars. I'm going to campaign in every primary state for you. What you've got to do is accept uh, legislation to, uh, to deal with income inequality, deal with legislation for free uh, college care, maybe even get commitment to a uh, single-payer health. And then what Bernie has to do is use, use his incredible amount of money and his ability to attract 20000 uh, people audiences and tell them that this is our victory. We've won this. We're moving this way. And, and Hillary's going to do this and this, and she's going to meet with the Progressive Caucus, which, uh, you know, Bernie helped to found. I was a member of. And, and is he going to, is he going to do that, uh, Bob? Is he going to actually, uh, I mean, cause I, I think at this point he is no longer saying that, uh, you know, victory is defined by winning the nomination. Now uh, he's talking no, about I saw him on platform. TV this morning, Brad. Yeah. And, uh, uh, he was saying, you know, we're going all the way. You know, we're going to, we're still, there's still a path. He's got to redefine what his victory needs. I mean, if he doesn't redefine what he's doing, then he is lost. Okay. And when you lose, yeah. when bringing these new people in, they feel very cynical. They drop out. They say there's no point in participating when their participation has already won. They've already moved America so much further to the left than we could have imagined six months ago. And the trick... Take the victory, take the victory now the, well, and, and, and use it to move us even further along the line. That uh, would be my argument. Are, are, you a, uh, are you a Hillary Clinton supporter? Well, I w- I'm going to support her, and I would campaign for her. She's got the nomination. Bernie... Has no, no, no. But, but I mean, uh, Bob, and I'm going to leave it to you if you want to... Uh, you say you were in Congress for 20 years. Uh, do you want to identify who, who, you, who, who you actually are? Well, I'd rather not right now, but you know, okay. I know Hillary. I know, I, I, right. know I, I know all the candidates, but I'm, I'm talking about the movement right now, right. not the personalities. Yeah. And to keep this movement going, which, as you know, Brad, usually disappears when the election is over. I, I want Bernie to find a way to keep it going by declaring victory and get people optimistic. Okay, I got it. I got really it. Understanding. No, I hear you. I hear exactly what you're saying, Bob, and I must get to a break, but let me just ask you okay. that. I said, are you a Hillary Clinton supporter? I'm saying, uh, w- w- no, have, have you already... Right in- now, but I, I, we got to move to Hillary now. 
Okay. All right. Fair enough, Bob. Thanks for the call. I do appreciate it. Uh, thanks for uh, for touching base. And uh, love, your, love your show, Brad. Keep going. Great. Thank you, Bob. I really appreciate that. Um, all right. We got to get to a break, and we will come back with more Bradcast and the Green News Report, and maybe a few more of your calls. I know there's a bunch of you hanging on the line. I'm sorry. I wish I could get to more of you. I really do. Uh, 818-985-5735, and we'll try to get to them. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your Bradcast. Welcome back to the broadcast. No singing in radio. Well, I can sing if I want. If Carly Fiorina can sing. That's welcome, true. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. That, of course, is Desi Doyen. And if you're hanging on the line, I will try to, I don't know how I'm going to get to you, but I will try to uh, get one or two. Let's get to it first. This will, this will cheer you up. Yes, it is our latest Green News Report. The Soviet version is this. One of the atomic reactors at the Chernobyl atomic power plant in the city of Kiev was damaged. And there is speculation in Moscow that people were injured and may have died. 30 years since the world's worst nuclear accident, new efforts to contain it. The United States looks forward to formally joining this agreement this year. Record number of nations signed the Paris Climate Agreement on Earth Day. Plus... We can make an airplane with an unlimited endurance. An airplane that can fly forever. Solar-powered plane goes halfway around the world. All of those world records and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Coal has diminished as fracking has increased. People need their lights on. People also don't want their bills to go up, and that hurts poor people as well. Did you ever notice how right-wingers only seem to give a damn about poor people when you take their coal away? This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, a lot of big world record news uh, in today's Green News Report, it sounds like. <laughs> yep, it certainly is. First up, this week marks the 30th anniversary of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster, the worst nuclear disaster in world history. Which one is the best nuclear disaster? On April 26, 1986, human error plus a flawed reactor design led to an explosion and a nuclear core meltdown at the nuclear power plant in Chernobyl, Ukraine. Officially, 31 people died from radiation poisoning. In the depths of the Cold War between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, the news was greeted with suspicion. Here's ABC News anchor Peter Jennings two days after the accident. Soviets may have been fairly quick to acknowledge the accident because evidence in the form of mild nuclear radiation had already reached beyond the Soviet borders to Scandinavia. The region is still uninhabitable due to radiation. Fast forward to today, new construction is underway to replace the current deteriorating containment structure with a truly massive new dome to seal the damaged nuclear reactor and its radioactive fuel for 100 years. 
Of course, the site will require human monitoring for 3,000 years. And, of course, we still have people, respected scientists today, who are calling for nuclear energy to replace fossil fuels. The 30th anniversary of Chernobyl is a good reminder, and I ain't convinced. One good outcome, scientists say that within the uninhabited Chernobyl exclusion zone, wildlife populations like bears, birds, and wolves are flourishing in the absence of humans. Yeah, but many of them have two heads and they glow in the dark. <laughs> well, one scientist told National Geographic that that means that human populations have a bigger negative impact on animals than radiation. Meanwhile, 175 countries signed the Paris Climate Deal in New York City on Earth Day. That's a record for any United Nations agreement. All member nations unanimously agreed to cut global greenhouse gas emissions to keep global temperatures from rising more than 2 degrees Celsius. At the signing ceremony, U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry said, now the hard work really begins. The new energy future, the efficiencies, the alternative resources, the clean options... None of what we have to achieve is beyond our capacity technologically. The only question is whether it is beyond our collective resolve. The Paris Agreement takes effect when 55 countries representing 55% of global greenhouse gas emissions formally join it. The world's two biggest emitters, the U.S. and China, both have pledged to do so by the end of the year. President Obama will use existing executive authority, already commonly used in foreign agreements, to avoid triggering Senate review. But that won't avoid a uh, congressional lawsuit, I suspect, the way that they have filed suits against his executive actions. I suppose that could still be in the offing even for this Paris uh, climate agreement. Oh, no doubt. But do note that current emissions pledges are not enough to make the two degrees Celsius target, but the Paris Agreement establishes the framework for moving forward. Meanwhile, in conjunction with the U.N. signing ceremony, the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund have launched an initiative to develop a global price on carbon to require polluters to pay for their pollution and impact on the climate. That would be known as a carbon tax. Or even cap and trade. But the big deal is, it would be global. Finally, the world's first 100% solar-powered airplane, the Solar Impulse 2, has resumed its historic round-the-world voyage, safely landing in San Francisco on Saturday after a three-day non-stop flight across the Pacific Ocean from Hawaii, powered only by the sun, including at night. According to pilot Bertrand Picard, the demonstration flight is just the beginning. Now it's a new era. Freedom is about being independent from fossil energy. The Wright brothers, they had no technology to transport passengers when they started. And some people were saying it's useless. And nevertheless, 66 years later, there were two men on the moon and airliners everywhere around the world. The Solar Impulse 2 travels next to Phoenix and then New York City. The pilot of the Solar Impulse 2 is named Captain Picard. Yes, he is. For much more on that story and the ones we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Yes. The broadcast going where no radio show has gone before. Do we have a minute or so? Let me, if I can get in through. Okay, uh, two callers, uh, 30 seconds each, if I can pull it off here. Uh, Gabriel in Pico Rivera, uh, what's on your mind? Welcome to the broadcast. Yeah, I was calling because I just don't know if it's, it's this mug kind of cockiness that I feel like Hillary Clinton can't get away from. 
which makes her seem kind of clueless to the fact that you can't just be dismissive of Bernie supporters and independents and expect to win a general election. And when you hear her speak, especially she did on, in front of Rachel Maddow the other day, it just seemed like blurting out your winning numbers should somehow make people go, okay, well, we should go for a person. And, and uh, did you hear the part of her speech that I played from last night? Did that move you in any way? Did you hear that part uh, earlier on the show? I did hear that part. No, it didn't. Okay. I mean, you're going to need to – I'm an independent, by the way, mm-hmm. who supports Bernie. But you're going to need to appeal to those Bernie supporters and independents in a way that you're kind of bridging yourself between yourself and Bernie. Yeah. And it doesn't seem authentic, and it doesn't seem like something tangible to people like myself. So I think she thinks she'll get the benefits that Barack Obama got from yeah. her in 2008, and I don't think it's going to be that quite of an easy crossover for voters. Thanks, Gabriel. I appreciate that call and that thought. Uh, very quickly, Nick in Redondo. Hey, Nick, welcome to the broadcast. How you doing, Brad? Love your show. Thank you, sir. Just wanted to say, just wanted to say that if I if I'm a uh, Bernie or bus guy until I'm not, and <laughs> if if you have to have another Clinton in the White House, I liked her to pledge that uh, Bernie Sanders be Secretary of State. Mm. I think that would be, uh, that would be an interesting. Uh, fair, fair. Fair enough, uh, Nick. Uh, yeah, whoever comes in second in the presidential, Democratic presidential race gets to be Secretary of State. Sounds good to me. I'm sorry I couldn't get to the rest of you folks online there. Uh, I know some of you have been holding for a while. Uh, thank you. Uh, and, uh, well, we'll try again soon. Uh, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn. And to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. My thanks also today to our board operator, G. Thank you, G. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it at bradblog.com anytime for free. Yes, we do this five days a week. You can also stop by and download it from iTunes, uh, where I hope you'll give us a good review and make it easier for everyone else to find us. Find me and follow me on the Twitters and the Facebooks. I am the Brad Blog. Use hashtag Bradcast or drop me email. I'm Bradcast at Bradblog.com. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.